finishing up a series that we've called The New Normal. And if you've not had the opportunity to be here for the rest of it, I would tell you, go online, check it out. Stop by um, our resource center down in the lobby and, uh, and order uh, DVDs, uh, CDs, uh, order a copy of the entire series. I know this. I know that it'd be an encouragement, a strength to you. I'm confident that it would be a blessing to you. But I've really been, from the beginning of this series, I've been looking forward to this one and talking to you about God's model for modern manhood. I, I love it. So, so David said this in Psalm 34. He says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. Father, as we... As we take a moment and we, we consider manhood this morning, and really, God, not just manhood, as we, as we think about humanhood, God, we, we give the moment to you. We ask that you would speak to us through your word, that you would challenge us and ch change us, that you would mold us, make us. Have your will and your way in this moment, God. For those of us that are here today and we're, we're skeptics, thank you that you are going to, that you're going to provide the answers necessary for us to take the next step in connecting with you. For, for those of us that are here this morning and, and we're seekers, oh God, I'm excited to know that we will find what we're looking for this morning. God, for those who gather today and consider themselves followers. God, provide encouragement, challenge, and strength. We commit the day to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I do, I want to talk to you this morning about God's pattern, God's model for manhood. And, and really, the best place to start with that is, is in talking about uh, the motto of man. And I think that if we were to give man a, a moniker, if we were to give man a motto, here's what it would be. I've got this. I, 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 I've got this. Come on, man. Let, let me hear you. How many of you have said that to your family? I, I, I've got this. No, no. I, I've got it. No, no. Trust me. I've got this. I can handle it. I've got this. Now, I don't know what your experience, but my experience has been, uh, it seems like whenever I say I've got this, uh, it's either going to cost me money, right? <laughs> or it's going to cost me a little bit of pain uh, or a whole lot of embarrassment. No, I, I've, I've got this. Listen, I, I've… Jody, I understand that the navigation system in the car is telling me that I'm supposed to go down this road. But I, listen, th that woman is an idiot. She, don't, she doesn't know what she's talking about, okay? I've got this. Am I the only person here who has ever argued with the, the navigation system in your car or on your phone? Siri, you have no idea what you're talking about. Trust me, I've got this. Famous last words, isn't it? Why is it? Why is it that we do that as, as, as men? Why is it that we do that as people? Why is it that we have this issue of feeling like on some level that we have to be in control? That's really what it is. It's a, it's a control issue. I was reading uh, this week, uh, and, and as I was preparing for uh, the message, I, I, read, I read this article in Psychology Today, and it said this. It said, how to know if you're a control freak. I, I didn't realize that was a medical term, uh, but, uh, but it is. It, it's a medical term. Uh, you might be a control freak. 
And so I want to I help you this morning. Uh, before we get into the Word, I want to help do a little bit of self-analysis, self-evaluation, and, uh, and, and help us to, to self-identify if we're a control freak. So let me help you. Here's how you know today if you're a control freak. Do you, when you walk up to an elevator and somebody has already pressed the button and the button is illuminated, do you press the button? You may be a control freak. Or when you get in the elevator, do you feel the need to press the closed door button, closed door button, closed door button, closed door button? Anybody here ever had a situation where you did not press the closed door button and the doors never closed? Yeah, they're automatic. I don't know if you realize that. We, we are, we're actually in the process. We've got uh, most of the plans drawn up to put an elevator in our lobby and really looking forward to that. And here's what I want to tell you. When that elevator is installed, the doors will automatically open and they will watch them. They will close. But that, that closed door button, it kind of has a, has a voice and it, it, it calls to us, doesn't it? Uh, how about this? How about if, how about if your dog has never been off its leash? Or, or how about if your children have never been off their leash? <laughs> they didn't have those child leashes when my children were young, which is really kind of sad. And now uh, my children in their 20s, they won't let us put them on a leash. Uh, although I think that would be kind of interesting walking through, 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 through the mall. You might be a control freak if you feel like you have to label everything you own. Right? Now see, now, now it just went from funny to people went, oh. Right? <laughs> I remember when I, was, when I was getting ready to go to college, my mom felt the need to label everything that I owned. And I tried to explain to her, mom, trust me, nobody in college is going to want to steal my underwear. You do not have to label my name in my, in my underwear. And there were these iron-on labels, right? So after the third wash, they all, they all came off anyway. Issue of control. Here's what, here's what psychology today said. It said the term control freak is obviously not a clinical one, but, but it, it has meaning nonetheless because the term so clearly identifies a problem. And, and, and it's a problem of epidemic proportion in our world today, right? And, and here's, here are the five symptoms that psychology today said. They said this. They said, um, you, you may be a control freak if you find yourself regularly con- uh, correcting people when they're wrong. No, actually, right? If, if you feel this compulsion to, to regularly correct people when they're wrong. Yeah, listen, when we were kids, we had this white Ford station wagon. Actually, it wasn't a Ford station wagon. It doesn't really matter to the story. Right? But we feel this need to, to correct people when they're wrong. That, that we always have to have the last word. We had, a, we had a, an older pastor that served on one of the pastoral teams that I was on, uh, Don Skaggs, Don and Virginia Skaggs. And Don, when he was 84 years old, uh, he was asked one time by our pastor, said, Don, what's the, y- you and Virginia have been married for over 60 years, what's the key? And, and Don said this, he said, in every conversation we ever have, I always have the last word. And the last word is, yes, dear. Do you find that you regularly have to have the last word? Do you struggle to admit when you're wrong? Do you find yourself regularly judging or criticizing others? 
How about this? I found this interesting that Psychology Today said this. It says that if you drive with rage, that's a sign of serious control issues. And, and we, 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 live, we live in a world where there's this, there's this clamoring for, for control. And, and this, this issue of clamoring for, clamoring for control, it has been a tripping point for mankind, for humankind, ever since the dawn of creation, ever since the garden. And, and, and part of it is because of the way that God has wired us and then this distortion of what the enemy does to the way that we're wired. Because God, God designed you to walk in authority. God purposed you to live with destiny. God, God structured us in such a way that we would have leadership in many of the areas of life. Let me, let me illustrate this to you. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and I want you to turn to, to, to the book of Genesis, very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, Genesis means, it means the book of origins. And so it's a story of the origin of the entire God story. And in Genesis chapter two, it tells us this. Starting in verse 8, it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, so God creates this perfect place for man. God creates paradise, the, the garden of Eden, and God puts man there. And here's, here's what I, here's what, what I want, want you to notice. If we drop down to verse 19, it tells us this. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. And we know this, that God gave the command to man that man was to be fruitful right? And that man was to subdue the earth and govern it. So, God, when God designed us, God designed us with this issue with an element of control. But here's where, here's where we get tripped up, is God designed us to have this element of control in our life that works in perfect unity and perfect harmony with relationship with Him. And if you get nothing else out of our time together this morning, it's vitally important that you get this, that having control in our life, elements of control in our life, a control dynamic in our life, control issues in our life, outside of an active, healthy relationship with God will always lead to destructive consequences. Let me say that again. Having this element of control in our life outside of having God's enduring presence be in our life and us engaged in active relationship with Him, that issue of control in our life devoid of God will always lead to destructive consequences. Because God designed us to live our life in communion with Him, in relationship with Him. And so what happens is we're supposed to have this element of control in our life. Control is not a sin issue. All right? If you're a control freak, control in and of itself is not a sin issue. 
The distortion of control is absolutely a sin issue. And friend, recognize this. It's, it's something that the enemy causes. And it's something that the enemy then uses and leverages actually to keep you under his thumb and to keep you in, under control. But we do come, we do come by this naturally. And here's, here's my concern. My concern is this, that this, this human nature and really this significant aspect of current culture, hugely significant aspect of American culture is having ripple effects that, that are wreaking havoc on the world in which we live. And the unforeseen devastating consequences are significant. And God wants us to know this. Even, even, as we, even as we prepared to celebrate our nation's independence in the coming weeks, God wants us to recognize that it was never his desire, it was never his design that we walk in, that we live in independence. God's plan has always been for interdependence. That we have control, that we operate in authority within the context of healthy relationship. First, healthy relationship with him, our vertical relationship, and then secondarily, in healthy relationship with one another. But this idea of, of independence, it actually positions us not for freedom, but it puts us into a vicious sort of bondage. Notice the story going all the way back to the garden. And here's what we see. We see in God's design for us, God's design for life, is first of all, God designed us and God's plan was that man live life to its full. That man enjoy life. This is a reason why Jesus makes a declaration in John chapter 10 when he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. Notice this, in Genesis chapter 2, it tells us this, in that first verse that we looked at, in verse 8, it says, Now the Lord God had planted the garden in the east, and there he put man that he had formed. So God creates this amazing place, this spectacular place, everything necessary for man to live life to its full, for man to have everything necessary for enjoyment. God put it there in the garden, gave man everything for life not to be a burden, but be a blessing. And understand this, God's objective has not changed. God's objective has not changed since the day of creation. Sir, ma'am, it is not God's desire to be some big ogre in your life. God is not this big bloodshot eyeball in the sky, lightning bolt in hand, waiting for you to do something bad to where he can zap you. God is not this massive rules and regulations guy. In fact, here's what we know. We know this, that it is, it is by God's grace that we stand not by our ability to keep the full letter of the law, to keep the full measure of the law. Actually, the Word of God tells us that even the rules and regulations that we see in the Bible, they're for us to understand that without relationship with God, that we can't do it on our own. 
But God's design has always been to bless man, to give to man, to reward man, to enable man. It's always been God's desire. God's plan has always been that we enjoy life. And and I love the fact that Jesus models this. It tells us this about Jesus, that Jesus came enjoying life. Friends, life is not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. God wants you to live with a smile on your face, a song in your heart, a swing in your step. That's the reason why I am baffled. Let me say it again. I am baffled when I'm around so many Christians that if you look at their face, it always looks like they've sucked on a lemon. Right? I will regularly say this. Turn on Christian television and turn down the sound and just look at the facial expressions. If you do this, you'll look at it and you'll go, these people need to be medicated. Now, you might turn up the volume and say, these people, no, that's a different, that's a whole different issue. But God designed us, listen, God designed us to have a disposition of joy. He designed us to enjoy life, and that has always been God's plan. God also, it's always been God's design, it's always been God's plan that mankind function from a position of authority. God does not want you to live under the oppressive hand of Satan. God also does not have an oppressive hand himself. So, when God puts man in the garden, here's what he says, you're in control of everything. Also, look around at all of these trees. We can step outside the doors of Calvary and just to look around and see all the different species of tree in Orlando and, and, and be amazed, be in awe of the creative ability and the majesty of God. So, understand all the grandeur of Eden, all these different species of trees and all these different types of of fruit-bearing plants. And God says this, all of it, all of it is yours to enjoy. There are these two trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of life. That's a good tree. There's also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You must not eat from that tree. And it's important to understand this. God did not say you cannot eat from that tree. If, if it was God's desire to control you, all God had to do is make it to where mankind could not eat from that tree. But God has given us this great gift of free expression. God has given us this great gift of free will. Why? Because it's not God's desire to control you. It's God's desire to have this relationship with you. And it's God's heart. And it's his intent to bless you, to give to you, to provide for you, to protect you, and to reward you. I don't know how it is that so much of the world has this distorted view of who God is, both in in misperceptions of Christianity and then in all these other false religions that we deal with. There becomes this really unfortunate, unhealthy, incredibly skewed version of who God is. And yet, when we see God and we see the true character of God, we know this, that when God fashioned man, he fashioned man with the capacity and the intent to live life to its full and enjoy life and to do so from a position of authority. And not just a position of authority, but also a position of freedom. Genesis 2.16, and the Lord commanded the the man, he, he said this, 
He said, uh, you must, you, you can eat from any tree in the garden. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden. Except this one. It's, it's interesting to me, at the beginning of Genesis chapter 3, when Satan comes in the form of a serpent, and, and, he, and he, he speaks to woman, an expression of mankind. It really doesn't matter whether it's the man or the woman. But he speaks to humankind, and he says this, did God say you can't eat from any of the trees? Notice even in his first expression to man, here's what the enemy does. The enemy offers a distortion. And what does he do? He says this, is God trying to control you? It has never been God's plan to control man, ever. God designed us to enjoy life. He designed us to operate in authority. He designed us to live in freedom. But what he does is this, is he protects us with boundaries. I, I have, I have in my wallet, I have a driver's license. And what I love is this, is I love that within reason, I can drive anywhere in the United States with this driver's license. Not only can I, can I drive anywhere in the United States with this driver's license, I can actually, most places around the world, I can, I can drive with this. Now, here's what the state of Florida said. They said this. They said, Ed, you show reasonable intelligence well, as it relates to driving. We don't know about intelligence in any other area, but you show reasonable intelligence uh, as it relates to driving. And, and by the way, the bar is really, really low. Okay? Can you identify eight out of 10 road signs? I don't know what that red one is, but those I get. Okay, eight out of 10, it's cool. Okay, so great. So we're gonna give you this thing. Now here's what we want you to do. We want you to drive reasonably right? Uh, we would prefer that you not drive 90 miles an hour down a residential street. By the way, if you do so, initially, we won't take this away from you, right? It's not a one strike and you're out kind of thing. If you, if you can't drive reasonably, we're going to offer some corrective measures. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give you a warning. We're going to fine you. We may, actually, if you really push back from reasonable boundaries, we may take your driver's license away for a while. We may have to put you in time out. But as long as you, as long as you act reasonably, and, 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 and by the way, even in that, we're going to demonstrate grace. Now, show of hands, it's time for confession. Confession is good for the soul. Okay, how many of you consistently drive above the speed limit when you're driving down the highway? Raise your hand. Okay, now some of you need to look at the people around you and you need to look at those who didn't raise their hand and you need to look at them and say, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> now, have you ever done that? Have you ever been driving down I-4 
right? And you're in the, you're in the part of I-4 where it's a 50 mile an hour speed limit and you're doing about 60 miles an hour and you see, you see OPD there on the side of the road. Do you panic? No, because you know this. You know that as long as you're not driving crazy, by the way, uh, if the member of OPD that's here for Sunday, if you're here in the worship center, I'm not advocating law breaking, okay? So I, please don't come up to me after the service and hand, it's Father's Day. But we, we know this, right? We know this, that there seems to be the, this expression of even reasonable grace. But those boundaries are there. They're there to protect us, right? And to protect those around us. I think it's a good rule in our world that you can't consume alcohol or controlled substances and then get behind a vehicle. It seems to me like it's a reasonable boundary. When I, when I look at the boundaries that man has set, or that God has set for man, they just seem like pretty reasonable boundaries. Ed, be honest in your interaction with the people around you. Don't, don't take things that don't belong to you. When you, make a, when you make a commitment in marriage, honor that. Be, be faithful to that. It's fascinating to me that so many people have this misconception about what it's like to be connected to God. And they have this idea that it's all about these rules and relationship, uh, rules and responsibilities, do's and don'ts. When that has never been God's design, it's never been his plan. And in, from the garden, God said, all of it, you can enjoy all of it, this one tree. Satan skews it and says, God's trying to control you. Well, here's what control is about. Control is ultimately about trust. Control is ultimately about trust. Dad, do you remember the first time that you handed your child the keys to the car? How many of you handed your child the keys to the car at age six? Oh, good. I'm so glad nobody raised their hand. That one made me nervous. Right? For me, for both of our children, the first time they got the keys to the car, it was in an empty shopping center parking lot. Lauren, I trust you. Drew, I trust you. But I've got to give you some safe boundaries. Right? And we went and we, we drove around that, that, that parking lot for a while. Actually, we actually started off with them driving a golf cart. So we had a hospitality cart in our church, much like what we have here. And, uh, and they would circle the church in, the, in that golf cart. And then we go from that to a parking lot, an empty parking lot. And then we, we went from that to driving on residential streets. 
John, I'm going to tell you, looking at your boys, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to go, okay, boys, hey, you're, 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 you're 13 years old. It's time to learn how to drive. Here are the keys. Let's cruise I-4. We're going to take I-4, 408. Not a good idea to throw your child into the deep end of the pool, right? So what we do is we give them boundaries. And, and God has established in His Word these reasonable boundaries. And the question is this, do we trust Him? God, I'm, I'm going to follow your plan for relationships because I trust you. God, I'm going to follow your plan for finances. Every Sunday morning, we encourage you to return God's tithes and give your offerings. And, and here's, here's, here's what I tell you, and this, this, this isn't a, a, a message about money, but, but let me touch on this real quickly, that in the typical church, about 25% of the people operate in accordance with God's directive on finance. And here's what I know. I know this, that the 75% of the people that don't, it's not because they're selfish. It's not because they're greedy. Well, there's a couple of you that are, and I'll talk to you after the service. But, but really, it's an issue of trust. And you've just not got to the point where, where you feel like you, can, like you can trust in God's plan. You can trust in God's promises enough to know that it's going to work. And in fact, what happens is this, there's this tension, there's this struggle because you want to trust. But we've been wired with this, I've got this. Let me say this, Dad, more, more than just us being wired with I've got this, We have felt compelled to impart this into our children. We've told our children, I want you to grow up to be independent. I want you to grow up and be a, be a, be a, be a, be a, be a man. I want you to grow up and be a, a strong, a strong man. I want you to grow up and be a strong woman. I want you to grow up and be a strong person. I want you to be able to stand on your own two feet. And we challenge our children, you've got to be independent. You've got, you got, you got to be able to take care of yourself. And then at some point in the process, we tell them a different story. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to place your trust in God. And the simple truth is this. What we ought, more often than not, what we communicate, these, these two narratives, they operate in conflict with one another, not in concert with one another. And I cannot tell you how many people, the countless number of people that I've talked to and their children reach adulthood and they don't understand why their children are so disconnected from God and so disconnected from the church. And can I offer you this? We do our children a disservice when we tell them, you've got to be independent, you've got to be independent, you've got to be independent, you've got to be independent. Son, I want you to embrace the model that I've demonstrated to you. I've got this. Well, sometimes daughter, sometimes son, what you need to do is you need to say, you've got this. But even in that, understand what we're doing is this. We're saying, okay, in those remote situations when I can't take care of it myself, I'm going to turn this situation over to God. 
But God, you get this one little situation, but ultimately everything else, I'm still in control. And what we have to do is we have to recognize control for what it really is. Control is a demonstration of a lack of trust. This is a reason why Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to bring sight to the blind. This is why Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ sets you free. But in that, don't use that freedom to do as you jolly well please. Use that freedom to walk in healthy relationship. Walk by the Spirit. Don't get sucked into gratifying the desires of the flesh. See, that, that's God's cure for control is to see control for what it really is and to stay away from the traps. To recognize I've got this was never God's plan. I can handle this was never God's idea. When God created man, it was God's design. That he and me, he and you, that we'd be connected. And that we would do this thing together. And not just God and man. Even in the, even in the creation process, process, God said when he created man, he said man by himself is not good. Man outside of vertical relationship, relationship with God is not good. Man without horizontal relationship with others is not good. So if you've been around, you've heard me say this before. In the Bible, there are over 30 commands that we're supposed to follow, that we cannot follow and not be connected in fellowship, be connected in relationship with one another. And that shouldn't come as a surprise to us because God's word says this, it's not good that man live alone. We were never wired, we were never designed to be independent. We were never designed to be in control. But it's always been God's design and God's desire that we would live our life with authority. I, I, I live my life with authority. 
So I have the ability to speak against that which would try to bring discouragement, that which would try to bring, bring destruction, that which would try to bring worry or woe. I have the ability, I can, I can speak against that. I can declare the enemy in my life a defeated foe. Why? Because I operate in authority. That was God's design from the Garden of Eden. Man, you have authority over all of this. And the serpent came and said, who's in control? I think psychology today is correct when it says that road rage is a classic example of control issues. We get angry because the people in the other vehicles are not doing what we think they should do. And, and, and we can't control the situation, and so we get upset. Men, it's, it's Father's Day. So ladies, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll afford me this, I, I would like to, 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 to address the men in the room this morning. Men, this, this myth that, that being a man somehow involves independence, it's not from God. You've been sold a lie and the pressure that you have, the anxiety that you deal with, the frustration that's regularly evident, even the panic that sometimes grips you, I want you to know this goes all the way back to the garden. In Genesis 3, it tells us this. It tells us that man ate from the tree, recognized he was naked, tried to fix it on his own, and then became panicked. That's the same stupid trap that we get sucked into in 2018. God comes into the garden in Genesis chapter 3. Man, where are you? And here's what man says. I was naked and afraid, so I hid. And we live our lives very protected, very guarded, some of us very isolated because we've been sold this bill of goods that we have to be in control instead of living a healthy life of trust. And it was always God's design that we would live a life of trust. And not, God, you've got this, but God, you've got me. 
God, you've got me. This is why God's word says, come unto me, all you, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, be connected to me. Be tied to me. Operate an active connection with me. That's what yoking is, active connection. Be actively connected with me. And understand this, to be yoked with me or to be connected with me, to be an active engagement with me is easy. The only thing that makes an active connection with God, relationship with God, if you'll let me use this term Christianity, the only thing that makes Christianity hard is the, it is the control issue that we, that, that we struggle with. Once we get beyond that control issue and step from independence, not to dependence, but to interdependence, to reliance, wow, we're able to breathe. I know that the world has told us that we have to live our lives with an S on our chest. I get that. I, um, I face it just like every other man. I, in full candor, I probably, I probably have this a little bit accentuated uh, because as the pastor of a church, people really expect you to have a cape. I don't look good in a cape. I'm just saying. It's not, it's not, my, it's not a good look for me. And, uh, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I don't have to be in control of everything. And I'm grateful that, that God has demonstrated that he's amazingly trustworthy. There are things about God I don't understand. There are decisions that God makes that I don't agree with. But you know what I've discovered? I've discovered this. That I might not live in the Garden of Eden, but there is so much of my life that God gives me authority over. And this wonderful freedom sometimes people ask me they'll go well I'm praying about whether or not God wants me to buy a new car you might want to write this down are you ready there are many times where you'll ask God God should I buy a new car? And here's what, I believe this with every fiber of my being. Here's what God would say. I don't care. <laughs> Operating in good stewardship, if you want a car, if you've got the money and you're operating in good stewardship, buy a car. Does God want me to have the red car or to have the blue car? Let me ask you a question. If you had in your refrigerator today, if you had a bunch of popsicles, Right? And your child were to come to you and go, hey, mom, hey, dad, can I have a popsicle? Sure. Which, which color? 
whatever color you want, knock yourself out, except for the blue ones, because I love the blue ones, right? That's a different issue. Or some of you are going, Pastor, if you know about color, food color number, I know about that, okay? Just, again, no emails, please. Understand the, the principle. God is not looking to oppress you. He's not looking to control you. But here's what his design has always been. You have this massive amount of freedom and you operate in authority, but that's supposed to be done in this context of relationship. God, you have me. I live under your protective covering. God, give me clear understanding of your design, your diagram, and the parameters in which you allow me to operate in authority. I love the fact that God had man name every animal. And God said, you're in charge of all of it. There's just this one thing. Sir, not just sir, ma'am, in your life today, there's so, so, so much of your life that God gives you absolute freedom in. He's not a controlling, oppressive God. It's just important that you understand that this position of authority does not work. In fact, it becomes destructive and sometimes even catastrophic when we operate in authority outside of the relationship. Because operating in authority outside of the relationship with God is where control issues come in. And control has never been God's design. Authority has always been God's design. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.